Father God, we just come before you today to be in your presence and to worship you. I thank you that you are an awesome God and that you are always involved in our lives, leading us, watching over us. I thank you for the abundant blessings that you pour out on us. We just want to take this time now to invite you here to spend some time with you, to worship you and to lift your name up. So we just ask that you fill this place with your spirit. In the name of Jesus.
Amen. Well, we're going to read Psalm 63 this morning. And the last part of that song we were just singing, it's God's glory that invades all of our darkness. It's Him moving in us that changes all of our circumstances in life. We can do all the things that we're supposed to do. We can be really smart, really educated, and really skilled and gifted. Without Him, we're going to be pretty limited in uh, correcting all the issues that we face in this life. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you, and your right hand upholds me. So Lord, this morning, that's what we're going to do. We thirst for you, Lord. We hunger for you. We cry out to you because we recognize that we don't have the power. We don't have the wherewithal to take care of all of our needs. Lord, it is only in you. Your right hand supports us. And so, Lord, we, we choose to follow hard after you this morning. We thirst and hunger after you this morning, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your presence, Lord. We enter in. We choose to worship you. We choose to lift up our hands. We choose to lift up our hearts and voices. We will bless you. Our lips will sing praises to you. We will honor you this morning. And as we enter in, Lord, into worshiping you, come in all of your glory. Come and invade our darkness. Come and heal us. Come and speak to us. Come and change us. Come and breathe life into us, Lord God. This morning, we choose to experience you and all of your goodness. So, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to worship you with all of our heart. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord now.
Lord, that's our prayer this morning. We want to be where you are. We want to be in your presence. So all that we do this morning, Lord, it's about entering in. We come with our hearts humble before you, and yet we're eager because we know that you invite us to come. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, Lord. I thank you that you invite us to come and receive. You said freely. You want to give us all things freely, Lord, because you've made this wonderful provision for us, that new and living way that we can come right into your very presence. You invite us to come, and so that's what we choose to do, Lord. And in your presence, you can speak to us. You can wrap us in those arms of love, and you can, you can speak soft words of love and encouragement to us and comfort and peace. And this life can be challenging and, and just downright frustrating, and yet, Lord, you have made a way that we can overcome the world, that in the struggles of everyday life, your peace and your power is present with us to bring healing, hope, joy, and peace so that we can endure and we can not just survive, but we can thrive during the difficulties and struggles of this life, Lord. And I thank you. You shine your light into us and the light flows through us and out of us and everywhere we go, the light of your love is with us and coming out of us, Lord, for people to see. This morning, I ask that you speak to each one of us, Lord. Each one of us would hear exactly what we need to hear. We submit ourselves to you, Lord, and we just, we lay everything before you. And we invite you, shine your light. Expose everything in us, Lord, that needs to be changed. Every place in us that that needs to be healed, every, every dark spot, every wound in our souls, Lord, you want to heal us and you want to raise us up to newness of life. You want to make all things new. So, Lord, this morning, we choose. We choose to submit ourselves to you. And we ask that you come. Speak to us, Lord. Words of life. You alone have the words of life. So speak to us this morning, Lord. Encourage us. Speak healing into us. Speak freedom into us. Speak deliverance into us. Thank you, Lord, that you, you want to reveal yourself to your people. Your word is alive and powerful. And we read your word and we, we become familiar with the word of God. We see that that's, that tells us who you are. It reveals you, your character, your great love for us, Lord. And like Paul said, oh, that we would know the love of Christ, that we would begin to comprehend with all the saints, see what is the wonderful width and length and depth and height of your love. It's beyond our comprehension, and yet you want to reveal that to us. So, Lord, this morning as we are in your presence, let us see how great your love is. Let us see that, that your love, it never ends and it never gives up. It just keeps pursuing us. 
your love. It comes to us when we're in our, our weakness, when we're in our strength, when we're having a problem, when we're rejoicing, your love is always there. It never fails, it never ends, it never runs out, it never gives up. Your love is beyond anything we'll ever be able to understand. And yet, help us, God, to know the greatness of your love. I thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us. We can stumble and fall a thousand times and you encourage us to get up a thousand and one. I thank you for that, Lord. You never reject us. You never tell us you don't have time for us. You never tell us that's the last time I'm going to forgive you and pick you up because you just keep doing the same thing. Lord, you, you say, I love you. There's no conditions to your love, Father, and I thank you for that. Your love is so amazing. Pour your love out on us this morning, Lord. In your presence, speak to your people now. As Carol continues to play, I just want to wait on the Lord a minute. I believe the Lord wants to speak to each one of us. Maybe there'll be a word that comes forth for all of us to hear, but you in your heart listen to the voice of the Lord. Let him speak the words that you need to hear for the struggles that you're facing, for the, the challenges that you have, for the needs that might be in your life. Let him speak those words over you right now. people in our body and joining us today that they do have brokenness. We've all got brokenness. You know, we are, we are basically broken vessels, crackpots, if you will. And yet God wants to, he wants to put us back together. There may still be some visible cracks in us from the brokenness that we've had in our past, and yet we become usable again. We become functional, and we become a thing of great beauty because God is a God of redemption, and he celebrates the redemption that he's worked in each one of us. So don't, don't feel like 
you're not worthy. Don't feel like you've, you've messed up too many times or you're too broken. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. And he celebrates his redemption in our lives. So Lord, take all those broken parts and pieces of us and just put them back together. Mold us and make us into a vessel that can be used for your glory and honor, Lord. And I choose to celebrate the forgiveness. And I choose to, to look back and, and look at those cracks and say, yeah, I was broken, but look, now I'm healed. And I had problems, but yeah, you put me back together and you made me into something that was worthwhile, something that, that you have invested everything in, Lord. You consider us a treasure. And those cracks and pieces are part of what makes us a treasure in your sight, Lord. And so help us to, to embrace your forgiveness and your cleansing and your redemption. Not, not to focus on our failures, but to focus on your healing and your redemption of us, Lord. Speak that over us now. I receive that in my life. Without your healing, I would just be a broken vessel but with your redemption I'm something that's of use in your kingdom Lord thank you for that seal that word in our hearts Lord breathe life into us Lord help us to see that your plan is the only plan. Your way is the only way. There is no other way. There is no other plan. And all the plans and all the desires of men and the ways of the world, they just lead to the same end result. Bondage, death, and destruction. But your ways lead to life everlasting. <laughs> Speak those words of life into us now. Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Eddie, for sharing that word with us. I believe that, that was definitely the Lord. You know, when there's a when the word of the Lord comes forth like that, you may or may not feel like it's it's specifically for you, but if if it applies. Grab a hold of it. It's okay. You know, it doesn't have to have your name attached because um, God speaks to all of us. He wants to speak to us. And so we need to be open and attentive so that we can hear the voice of the Lord. Well, <clears throat> we've um, we got, we got this um, virus thing we're dealing with, and it's an ongoing struggle. So we're, we're going to talk again this week with church council, make a decision about where we're going in the next uh, few weeks or months. And we, um, we want to do everything we can to keep our body safe and to comply with the, you know, the, the orders of, uh, of our local community and the state and the nation. We want to be good citizens. But I know everybody wants to worship, too, and everybody wants to come together. And um, technically, I believe it's legal for us to meet and have meetings uh, if we do all the things that we're supposed to do. But I think uh, because of the nature of people, it's hard to control you. 
So when we come and we sit, everything's fine and dandy, but then when you get up and start moving around, sometimes it's not so fine and dandy. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to try to we're going to try to do everything we can to start having you know in-person services again when we feel like it's safe and appropriate. And uh, I'll be sending out emails about that. Um, next week we will be uh, celebrating the Lord's table. We're going to take a communion. And so if we're not having a live service, then I would encourage you to gather up your elements at home, uh, cracker and juice, or you know whatever. That's I, I'm not too worried about what you partake of because uh, it's, it's all representative of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And so whatever you can gather up will be just fine and dandy and we'll partake together next Sunday. Also this week we're going to start something new and uh, some may say, well, how can you do that? You're not even having church services, but I think this is so important that we're going to do it anyway. On Wednesday night we're going to begin to have an hour of prayer. We're going to pray for this nation. We're going to pray for uh, the coming election. We're going to pray for our local community. We're going to pray for healing from the virus. We're going to pray for all the things that are going on. We've got so much strife and dissension and chaos in our nation. We need healing. And God's the only one that can bring healing. And I encourage you to register and when it comes time to vote and you know all that stuff, that's just being a good citizen. But in the end... God's the only one that can heal this nation. And it really needs to start with the body of Christ. We need to rise up and be the people that God has called us to be. So Wednesday night, 6.30, right here, uh, we'll social distance. Uh, you can pray out loud. You can pray silently. We're not going to worship. We're not going to have any, any formal program. We're just going to pray. And if you can't be here at 6.30, join us when you can. If you've got to leave early, that's fine. Come and go. It's okay. We're going to spend about an hour. And so... Uh, that's starting this Wednesday, and it'll be every week until the election, I presume, uh, unless we tell you something different. If we start Awanas back up, we may have to change that a little bit. Um, this is Mission Sunday, and uh, just thank you for your faithfulness. Y'all always are so good about giving, uh, but since you're not here in person, you can donate online through PayPal or you can mail a check in to the post office box. Don't mail it to the physical address because we don't receive mail at that address. Um, but the missions program in Foursquare is wonderful. All the money that come into missions go to missions. They don't use a bunch of it for administrative costs. If you give money for a missionary, they'll get that money. And uh, we have found a, a, a ministry in Israel that it's a Foursquare ministry and we've begun to give to that and so if you'd like to give towards Israel uh, if you put that on your missions uh, offering uh, then we'll see that it goes to that uh, that ministry couple they're pastoring a church in Jerusalem and they work with uh, orphans and widows and Holocaust uh, survivors and all that stuff so uh, it, you know I think they're doing a great work and we want to support them any other missions there's uh, there's a need all over the world. There are four square churches and pastors that have a famine conditions and they're, they're actually, people are starving to death because they just can't get food or don't have the money to, to buy food. And so if you'd like to contribute towards that, you can say uh, adopt a pastor or, or FDR pastors or you know something like that and we'll see that it gets to that. Otherwise, our missions offering go to four square missions. So I think that's all the announcements except happy birthday to you, July birthdays.
And uh, one of these days we'll start having bulletins again. Woo-hoo! I'm thrilled about that. Uh, you know, I don't like some of the paperwork and stuff associated with being a pastor is really not all that much fun. But it's okay. You know, it comes with a job. You got to do what you got to do. So when we start uh, going again in person, we'll, we'll have bulletins again. And there'll be all kinds of uh, announcements and advertisements and things in those bulletins. All right, so now we're going to get into the Word. So we've been talking about uh, wounds of the soul. And I believe we're in part 11 this week. And we're going to be talking today about spiritual muscles and calluses. Whew, yeah. Like Hans and Franz, we're here to pump you up. You know, I mean, uh, so we're going to talk about the positive aspects of that, and we're going to talk about some of the negative aspects of it as well. So you may or may not be familiar with uh, weightlifting and uh, muscle training, that sort of thing, but you know, the way that your muscles grow is that when you exercise them, when you, you lift weights or you run and you start feeling your muscles burn and ache, that's muscle tissue tearing down. And the only way you can build muscle is to tear down living tissue. And when it grows back, this interesting thing happens. It grows back bigger and thicker and stronger. And so the more you exercise, the more you train, the more you do things, the more strength you're building, the more your muscles are growing. And so, you know, you got those big guns, you know, and that's, uh, that's because you've, you've done a lot of work. I used to have that sort of thing. Now my, my kids tell me one day, they said, Dad, I think your chest is all sunk down to your stomach. And, you know, that, I think that's true. Sometimes I look at myself like, wow, I'm a mere shadow of the man I used to be. But, uh, but I understand what it means to exercise and to work hard because, you know, as a young man, I was involved in athletics, and they're big on making you work hard. And you go until you feel like you can't go anymore. And then you take a breath and then you go some more. And if you do that, you build strength and endurance. And that's the same way it works spiritually. As we, as we do the things that we're supposed to do, we're building and gaining strength and endurance. Now, calluses, I know uh, not everybody has had a lot of physical work in their life. Some people have always had inside jobs and that sort of thing. You're blessed enough to be able to pay for your yard work and everything that goes on. But most of us have had some experience with some physical labor. Uh, my family has always been in construction, so I grew up from a young age, you know, doing things physically. My dad always told us, boys, you know, you, you want to wear gloves in the, in the morning and work till about noon in gloves. Because, you know, if you wear those leather gloves, if you wear them all day long, they, they make the ends of your fingers sore. And so you wear them about a half a day, and you, it protects your hands. And in the second half of the day, you can take them off, and you can go without gloves, and you'll probably be okay. But if you start out the other way, you start out with no gloves, and you get a blister, then you put the glove on, and it's too late. You know, you already got the blister. So when you, when you exercise, you do a repetitive action. That's what happens. You, you get a tender spot on your hand, or you walk on coals, you get a tender spot on the bottom of your feet. You know, whatever you're doing, if you do it over and over again, it makes a tender spot or a sore place. And 
The way it works, though, if you, you hold a tool and you dig or you shovel or you swing a hammer, you do things over and over and over, your hands will get tender, you may even get a blister, but if you just keep doing it, guess what? Eventually the blister heals, your hands get toughened up, they get calluses on them. Uh, if you walk around barefoot a lot, you probably got calluses on the bottom of your feet, you know, where you look like pads on a dog's paw, you know, <laughs> you, you get pads, you know. And so you get these calluses, and then you can go and you can work, and you don't even need gloves, really, except just to protect your hands from getting scratched or scraped. But I got to tell you, if you don't keep that activity going, those calluses will heal up and go away, and you got to start the whole process over again. So I had calluses when I was a young man, and, but I tell you right now, I go out there, and I mean, about five minutes of doing something, and I've got blisters nearly. I mean, it's like, wow, how can my hands be so soft and tender? But that's the way it is spiritually, too. When, when we do something repetitively, we build something either good or bad in our lives, depending on what you're doing. So if you're repeating a, a godly activity, you're reading the Word, you're studying the Word, you're praying, you're seeking the Lord, you're worshiping, you know, you're, you're doing everything you can to try to renew your mind so that you're thinking and speaking correctly, and as you do that, you gain strength spiritually. You get toughened up. So when the challenges of life come, you're not a little wimpy guy, you know, who gets a blister first thing. I mean, you can endure some toughness. You can endure some difficulties and challenges because you've been training yourself to become strong. You've been training yourself to be able to endure. But I just say to you that whatever you yield yourself to, whatever you invest yourself in, whatever you allow to be the repetitive thing in your life, that's what you're going to build strength in. And so if you allow the enemy to have areas in your life, when you do those things over again and over again on a regular basis, you're enabling the enemy to have strength in that part of your life, and you're going to be building up strength in his control, and you're going to be giving yourself calluses so that you're not quite so sensitive to the things of the Lord. So that the, the Lord, when he talks to you about that problem area in your life, you're like, ah, it's not so bad. You know? And the first thing you know, you've, you've begun to rationalize it and, and work through it in such a way that you don't even want to change. You don't even want to be healed because you've been, you've been believing the lies of the enemy. And it's because we've developed those spiritual calluses that cause it to be hard of heart. We don't want those kind of strengths and calluses to be in our lives. We want the good kind that build the things that the Lord's trying to work. Now, I'm going to share some scriptures with you that uh, illustrate this. Hebrews 5, 7 through 14, talking about Jesus. It says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son... Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. 
For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now this whole passage of Scripture is talking about the fact that Jesus learned obedience by sufferings, by difficulties in life. He wasn't, he wasn't who he was because he was the Son of God. He was who he was because he submitted to God and he fully obeyed God. He learned to obey through those experiences, those, those challenges. And that's the way we learn. You, you might not like it, but that's how you learn. It's through challenges and difficulties. Now, it goes on to say that um, if you are a baby, you can only eat milk because you don't have a skill or an experience level in God's Word that allows you to eat stronger things. So, you know, I'm sorry, but we've got a lot of Christians walking around that are, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old Christians that are still sucking the bottle, you know. I mean, we need to get off the bottle. Ah, maybe you've progressed to drinking it in a glass, you know, but you're still just drinking milk. We need to get off of that, and we need to get to the point where we're, we're eating some meat and potatoes and some other things because God wants us to grow in maturity. And you will not build spiritual strength and endurance in your life if you don't begin to partake of more solid food. The Word of God is the solid food that we need to be partaking of. We need to be partaking of uh, God's presence on a regular basis by worshiping and spending time in prayer and letting Him speak to us. So it says that solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses, their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And that word exercise, it means to exercise naked. You know, this was a time period when that was, you know, the beginning of the Olympics and stuff, and people who were athletes, they thought that was the way to do it. But the thing is, if you think about that spiritually, being stripped down to the bare necessity, stripped down to this is, you know, here I am, Lord, this is me, this is it, this is all I have, I'm here, and I'm presenting myself to you for you to speak in my life, for you to do whatever you want to do, touch me, stir me, change me, challenge me, make me into whatever I'm supposed to be. When we begin to train ourselves that way, when we begin to exercise that way, we build our senses up so that we can begin to discern between good and evil. We know the things that are of the Lord. We know the things that are of the devil. And so when the enemy comes to us and is, is trying to tempt us, we'll immediately get the sense, whoa, that's not something I want. That's not something that's good for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on that. If you don't have your senses trained, then you don't have the skills that it takes to know right and wrong and when it's God and when it's the devil and when it's some worldly or fleshly desire and when it's the Lord that's leading you. You know, there's a lot of things in this world that have appeal. They have appeal. I mean, everybody likes to do fun things. Everybody likes to please your flesh. Everybody likes to eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, that's, you know, 
That's the way we are. But not all eat, drinking, and being merry is good for you. We have to learn to discern the things to do and the things to avoid. That's how we do that, is by becoming skilled in the word of righteousness, becoming skilled in the things of the Lord so that we've trained ourselves to be able to discern between good and bad. If Jesus had to do it, then it's okay for us to do it too. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal or fleshly, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal or fleshly. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? The point is we're supposed to be growing into strength and maturity. We're supposed to be able to endure and do the things that God has called us to do and not be a little wimpy guy or gal all the time that's got, oh, I can't do it, I'm getting the blister, I've got a tender spot, oh, my feet are tender, I can't walk on, on those rocks. I like to wear shoes, I don't really like walking barefooted. But I'm confident if I wanted to walk barefooted, I could get my feet toughened up. I could probably do just like anybody else, but I would prefer to wear shoes. But, but the point is, we have to learn to endure. Because when we became Christians, God didn't say, I'm going to take all your problems away from you and make everything just perfect from now on. What he promised was that he would never leave us or forsake us. He promised he would go through the valley of the shadow of death with us. He promised that he would be there with us, that his rod and his staff would comfort us. He promised to take us to the still waters and the green pastures. He promised to do all that good stuff for us. But he didn't say you're going to be free of, of challenges or troubles in your life. He promised to go through those with us. You need endurance. You need to be building character and strength so that you can endure. Hebrews 12, 11 says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. <clears throat> Again, that word trained. So the Lord uses all the experiences in our lives, good and bad, to treat us and train us. He wants us to grow. And when things happen that are, that are uh, bad and negative, the Lord wants us to grow from that. He wants us to grow and to change. Sometimes I believe the Lord, just like with Job, you know, he basically just pulled his hands back and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let some things happen to you, not because I don't love you anymore, but I'm going to let it happen because I do love you. And I want, to, I want you to be blessed even more. And through what's going to happen, the end is going to be even better than the beginning. And so when we have experiences in our life that are challenging, I'm not saying you've got to get all happy about them, but we need to embrace what God is doing because he is using all experiences to help us grow into more mature believers so that we can have strength and we can have endurance. That's where we're going with the Lord. We want to be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, there is a struggle going on all the time in the heavenlies, in the spiritual world. If you don't see that, if you don't engage in that struggle, you're getting your tail kicked. I promise you are. You may not even know it, but you're losing the battle. If you don't know there's a battle, you're not winning. But when you realize that there is a war that's going on all the time, and it's a warfare that's not flesh and blood, you may be dealing with a person that's really difficult, but I promise you, it's not flesh and blood. It's still a spiritual thing that's going on in the background. Maybe it's something in you that God wants to change. Maybe it's something that God is wanting to bring about in that other person. But you need to be able to discern good and evil, and you need to be able to discern what God is working in your life. And so our warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's against uh, principalities and powers. It's against things in the spiritual realm. It's always going on. I mean, there is this huge clash going on all the time. And the greatest example of it would be, uh, well, two places right quick I'll share. One is Daniel. He prayed. And 21 days later, an angel showed up with the answer, and he said, you know, God dispatched me immediately when you started praying, but I've been battling in the heavenlies against the prince of Persia. And he said, I just now uh, persevered and came through because of your prayers. There was a spiritual warfare going on all the time. Elijah was, uh, you know, he was out there, with him, and his, his helper was looking out, and he saw all the armies of the, of the enemy were surrounding him. He said, man, we're in trouble. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're outnumbered. And he prayed and he said, Lord, open his eyes so he could see. And he looked back again and there was this millions of fiery chariots and heavenly hosts out there. And he said, oh, there's more of us in forest than there are them. Changed his whole perspective because he could see now that there's a spiritual battle going on. It's not just the guys you can see with your physical eyes. It's what's going on in the heavenlies. And in the heavenlies, we win. Always. God has overcome. Jesus, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. He overcame and he overthrew the dominion of sin in our lives. He has won that victory for us. That's not in question. The only thing that's in question is, are we going to learn to walk in it? Are we going to learn to develop enough endurance and strength in our spiritual man, our inward man, that we can walk out what God has promised us? It's always, it's always up to us. God will do his part. Are we going to say yes to what God is wanting to do in us? Are we going to believe? Are we going to trust? Are we going to invest ourselves a little bit so that we can grow and mature? Are we going to do the things that God has called us to do and given us to do so that we can experience the fullness of his work in our lives? Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. See, again, he wants to strengthen us in our inner man so that we, are, we have the right attitudes, that we're thinking right. And when you think right, you'll speak right. And when you think right, you'll act right. Because it's what's in your heart that comes out. And he goes on to say that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length or width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
So he's wanting all that to happen so that we strengthen our inner man, so that we can be strong and we can endure. And when the, when the warfare is going on, we can stand and we don't have to get, get all wimpified and say, but I got blisters, I got pain, I'm tired, I can't do it. That's one of the unpleasant things about babies is they cry. And sometimes it gets really frustrating when they cry a lot. And I would imagine that our father gets a little frustrated sometimes when we cry and whine a bunch. Like, come on, you know, I've done all this stuff for you. Just grow into maturity a little bit where you can, you can begin to act like a, like a mature person instead of a little baby. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't love us. He will always love us. But he just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to always be changing our diapers and filling that bottle up. He wants us to begin to take care of ourselves and begin to exercise what he has given us as his people to exercise. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He had trained himself to accept whatever came along and not complain and grumble and, and whine about it. It's like, you know, I can endure all this because God's grace is in me and he strengthened me. I can endure. I can do this. I can survive this. Now, Paul had a pretty victorious Christian experience with the Lord, and he had, a, he had a huge list of accomplishments and things that he did for the kingdom. But he still had problems. I mean, everywhere he went, he had this group of people following around, you know, beating him and stoning him and trying to kill him. And he said, it's okay. I can deal with all that. I'm going to obey God, and when I obey God, I know he's going to take care of me because his strength is enough. In 2 Timothy, he was talking to Timothy, and he said, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So there is, a, there is a strength that we gain in the Lord that will give us the ability to endure difficulties, challenges, hard times, terrible times. We've all had some really challenging times. You know, I've, I've walked through some pretty challenging things personally. Uh, Tracy had cancer. Now, you know, that's... I'm telling you, cancer is not for the faint of heart. You know, I mean, the people, everybody experiencing that, I mean, they need God's grace. The people that have it and the people that are helping taking care of them because it, it is horrible. But God's grace truly is sufficient. If you rely on Him, He'll carry you through it. People may die and go to be with the Lord. People may get well. But either way, God's grace is sufficient. That's what we have to learn to depend on is God's grace. Become strong enough that we can endure the challenges of life and go forward in victory. Now, on the other side of all this, <clears throat> if, you, if you're allowing the enemy to build strength in your life and you're becoming calloused because you've done wrong and you continue to do wrong, then we're going to talk about that a little bit, and I'll share some scriptures with you about how that works. In John 6, Jesus said, It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And then he, he went on in another verse and he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the first and great commandment. And then he said, love your enemies as yourself. But you notice the one thing that's not mentioned there, you love the Lord with your, your heart, that would be your emotions and the inner part of you, your mind, the way that you think, and the decisions you make, and your soul, that's who you are, and, and all of your strength, I mean, everything about you. You love God with all those things. What he doesn't mention is your flesh. And I think it's because there's really not anything good about our flesh. Our flesh doesn't really have a way to love God. We can, our flesh can be submitted to God. You know, when your flesh is saying, feed me, you can say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you be in submission. And when your flesh is saying, I want to sleep in, you can say, no, you're going to get up. And you are going to do the spiritual disciplines that you're supposed to be doing every day. You're going to pray, and you're going to read the Word, and you're going to do those things. I mean, you can cause your flesh to submit to God, but your flesh is really, it's not good. In Romans 7, Paul says, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Paul is saying the same thing, basically. You know, I, I find that I want to do good. You know, I will, in my heart, I will to do good. But in my physical body, in my flesh, in my, my basic carnal nature, I just can't figure out how to make that happen because it is all contrary. My flesh is contrary. That's what the word says. The flesh wars against the spirit and struggles and strives against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They're not the same. They're two separate things. There's that warfare going on all the time. We want to please our flesh. And our flesh wants instant gratification. That's really not a spiritual principle. Instant gratification is pretty much going to always be ungodly. Your flesh wants to, be, it wants to be fed, it wants to be taken care of, and it wants it right now. Your spirit, your spirit wants those same things. It wants to be fed. Your spirit wants to, wants to be encouraged and built up. It wants to be alive. It wants to be healthy and whole. Your spirit wants to rest sometimes. Your spirit wants to, wants to feed, and you do that by worshiping and reading the Word and, and spending time with the Lord, talking with Him, communing with Him. You build your spirit up. You build your inner man up, and so you become stronger and able to endure. But if you rely on your flesh and the responses of your flesh, you're, you're going the wrong direction because you're going to be building up your flesh. And then every time your flesh cries out, man, that blister hurts. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to have to wait till I get healed. We need to learn to control our flesh. Keep our flesh in line so that it, it is submitted to God, that our flesh doesn't rule everything that we do. Think about this. In a 24-hour day, how much time do you spend sleeping, which is taking care of your flesh? How much time do you spend eating, which is taking care of your flesh? How much time do you spend bathing and 
doing other things that are just, just taking care of your body, you know, dressing your clothes, uh, you know, undressing, washing, all the things that have to do with just our physical lives. I mean, it's, it's a lot of our time. And those things, they really don't profit anything except, you know, it's better to walk around with clean clothes and better to have clothes than to be going around. We don't want to be exercising naked. You know, that was, that was a Greek thing. I'm not encouraging you to exercise naked. Don't go there in your mind. You might see things you don't want to see. So the spiritual aspect of our lives every day is so important, and yet I fear that a lot of us have, uh, we've got things out of whack. We've got, them, we've got them out of order. We spend so much more emphasis and time dealing with our physical stuff than we do the spiritual stuff. And we've got to live. I understand that. I have to live. I have to eat. I have to sleep. If I don't sleep, I won't be able to function correctly. If I don't eat, I'm not going to have any strength. I understand that. We just have to keep it in the proper perspective so that we are focusing on the Lord and we're investing ourselves in Him so that we can grow and become skilled in the things of God so that we can function and do the things that He's called us to do. <clears throat> Proverbs 19.16 says, He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. That's pretty blunt. If you do what the Lord is telling you to do, you keep your soul. If you're careless in your ways, the end result is not going to be good. Now, for all, those of us that are believers, uh, I'm not saying, you know, you mess up or you don't do right, you're going to go to hell. I'm just saying the enemy wants to do three things to you. He wants to steal from you, he wants to bring destruction into your life, and he wants to kill you. And he's trying to work that in you all the time. And when we don't do the things that God has told us to do, then we're allowing the enemy opportunity to do the things that he's trying to do. Because you've got this warfare going on between the flesh and the spirit. Who do you want to be the stronger in your life? Do you want the, the flesh to be the strongest? Do you want the, the working of the enemy to be the strongest? Or do you want your spiritual man and the working of God to be the strongest? We need to let, let that play out in a way that we are always building up the spiritual man so that we can overcome the flesh. We don't have to walk in the flesh. We can walk and live in the spirit. That's the promise that the Lord has given us. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, Jesus talked several times about people having hardness of their heart. And he said, you have unbelief, and that's why your heart is hardened. So every time that you doubt, every time you distrust something that God says, it allows some hardness in your heart. And when you've got hardness in your heart, you can't believe like you ought to. And so it's like this, it's a vicious cycle. So the deceitfulness of sin, when we sin, and I'm not saying, you know, that you, it's only the, the big things, you know, but every time we sin, every time we fall short, something happens to us that the Lord needs to heal. I mean, we need to, we need to always be confessing our sin. We need to always be repenting. And when we mess up, we need to, 
We need to deal with that. You don't want to just leave stuff in your life unresolved. And so he says, don't allow your heart to become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So that's a process. You sin, you know, you, you do something, and inside of you, that deceitfulness is working. And if you don't deal with it, it continues to work. And then maybe the next day, maybe multiple times the same day, you do the same thing. You know, you run your mouth a little bit. Feels pretty good to your flesh. It's like, yeah, I like the way that feels. So the next time you run your mouth some more, it feels pretty good. Guess what? You're developing some calluses on your mouth so that you're going to be able just to say things that are displeasing to God and they're hurtful to you and other people and you're not even going to feel bad about it because you're going to become hardened by the deceitfulness of that sin. And you are allowing the enemy to build up muscles, strength in your life to control your mouth and your lips and your thoughts. The deceitfulness of sin is the beginning of all that. When you, when you allow sin to happen and let it go un, uncorrected and undealt with, it begins to build strength in your life. Unbelief causes a hardness of our heart, which that leads to even more sin. And that leads to patterns of sinfulness, or we call them strongholds. You know, if you have a problem controlling your mouth and you're always wanting to say things about other people, that's a stronghold. It's a place in your life that it's got strength. It's got control of you. And you tell yourself, oh, I don't want to say bad things again. And the next time you get in that situation, there goes your mouth just saying that stuff again. And you say, man, I really didn't want to do that anymore. Or maybe you, maybe you struggle with anger. you got a stronghold with this anger. And you're driving down the road and somebody pulls over in front of you. You, know, you just, I mean, that anger just rises up in you. And then you feel kind of bad. You say, well, I shouldn't be that way. When you allow strongholds to stay in your life, you're going to be controlled by them. And you may have a good day here and there, and you may have some victory here and there, but if you've got a stronghold that you haven't dealt with, you're not going to be walking in victory like you're supposed to be. Jesus said in 8, uh, John 8, 34, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Paul said in Romans 6, 16, do, not, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So in other words, if you sin, you become a servant to sin. If you release anger with your mouth, you become a servant to that anger. And if you don't deal with that anger, it's going to control you. If you have anger in your heart that's unresolved, it's going to begin to express itself out of your mouth. That anger will turn into bitterness and frustration. You'll begin to say things about people. You'll begin to judge people. You'll begin to criticize and accuse people. You'll begin to spew that bitterness. If you've got pride, if you've got a stronghold of pride that you've got unresolved in your heart, then you're going to continue to be thinking about you all the time. You're going to be selfish and you're going to be promoting you and what you want. And you're going to be having a tendency to be bitter and unforgiving and always talking about other people in a way that makes you look good, makes them look bad. That's what that does in your life. You have pride. You're always thinking about me. What's best for me? What makes me look best? 
Oh, maybe it's the other side of it. Maybe it's poor me. Maybe, why am I the only one? Why does this always happen to me? It's still about me. If you have that unresolved in your life, you're going to be miserable. It's a miserable lifestyle. Jesus calls Satan the ruler of the world at least three times in the Gospel of John. And in 1 John 5, John says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. That means he doesn't practice sin, continue in sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So you understand that there is, a, there is this warfare going on. Satan is the god of this world. He is the ruler of this world. We are being delivered from that. Jesus came and he conquered death, hell, and a grave. He is putting everything back under his feet the way that it's supposed to be. And we, as his people, are supposed to be taking dominion back from Satan in our lives each day. Now, that's not going to be fully fulfilled in us until we're in glory. But in the meantime, it is our duty, our responsibility, our calling to begin to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, to let, uh, not let sin have dominion over us, but for us to take dominion over sin, for us to begin to walk in the Spirit, do the things that God has called us to do. We've been given the ability to do that. He gave us His Spirit to strengthen our inner man. We build up our spirit by studying the Word, by praying, by worshiping, by praying in our spiritual language, by edifying ourselves, building ourselves up in our most holy faith. All those things work to build our inner man so that the inner man is strengthened with His might. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But we have to, we have to build up our spiritual strength. And that is a process. And you have to be, you have to be willing to invest yourself you got to get some calluses from doing stuff over and over and over. you got to get some strength in your, in your spiritual muscles by investing yourself in exercising by, and I'm not talking about your body, I'm talking about exercising your spiritual man, worshiping the Lord, praying, spending time with the Lord, reading the Word. Those are things that build you up spiritually. If you give place to the devil... I guarantee you, he's going to occupy that place until you make him leave. And when we sin, especially, especially when we sin in a repetitive way, the same thing, we've given strength to the enemy. We have allowed him to have that place in our life. We've allowed a stronghold to just stay there. And when we begin to do that on a regular basis, it's like we just... You know, hand over the keys. You know, reach in your pocket, give him the keys. Here's the keys to, to me, you know, everything I got. Here it is. I mean, I got a big wad of keys. It's, you know, work, home, church. It's all, all on my keychain. Here, just take it all. You can just control it. You don't want to be saying that to the devil because he will. You want to be saying, okay, I messed up, but I repent. I confess. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Heal me. I'm taking that back. I'm not giving those keys of authority in my life to the devil. If you don't realize that that's what's going on in the spiritual realm, you're losing a lot of authority and you're losing a lot of victory that could be yours. But if you have a wound in your soul that creates an opportunity for the enemy to, 
to continually torment and afflict and even control certain attitudes and areas in our life. That's what we call strongholds. You might look at, at your life and you say, well, I have an addiction problem. It's really a stronghold is what it is. And there may be a physical thing attached to it, but if you can't get healed spiritually, you're going to have a really hard time getting healed physically. If you have a habit, if you have a character quality or personality trait that you just can't seem to ever change, and you look at it and you say, man, I wish I wasn't like this. Well, you probably have a stronghold there somewhere. And you need to seek the Lord. You need to say, Lord, show me what this is. You know, heal me. Show me so I can, I can deal with it. Worship team, y'all can come back. So we're talking about these strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> so all this talk about the spiritual battle and our problems and the strongholds, what you need to learn from all that is that you can tear down strongholds. You can remove strongholds. You can demolish those strongholds. That's what that word means. It means to demolish those strongholds. Those areas in your life that the enemy has controlled, you can take that control back. But you can't do it by self-help programs. You can't do it by just trying to think differently or trying to do things differently. You have to do it in the spiritual realm. You have to begin to take your thoughts and examine them and bring them into captivity. But the beginning place of all that is the spiritual battle that happens when, when we actually come against those strongholds and we, and we address them and we say, that's it. I'm not going to give into this anymore. It's a simple prayer. So here's, here's the way you pray. When you, have, when you recognize a stronghold, I mean, this could be, it could be anger, it could be selfishness, it could be bitterness, it could be unforgiveness, it could be, you know, whatever you want to, Say, whatever your problem might be. You say, Lord, I confess that I have unforgiveness or bitterness or all of those things. I would deal with them one at a time just because uh, you can deal with it properly that way. I confess I have unforgiveness. Now, I, I want to repent from that. I repent. I turn. I ask that you forgive me. Cleanse me with your blood. Wash me in your blood. Heal my wounds and make me, make me new in this area. And now, Lord, because you've healed me and I'm submitted to you, I reject and I renounce all agreement with that. I'm not going to do that anymore. The Bible says if you submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, Lord, I'm submitted to you. I've repented. I've confessed. You've forgiven me. And so I am, I am rejecting and renouncing all of that. Satan, you have no control over me in that area anymore. I'm healed. In Jesus' name, you have to go. That's it. That's all you got to pray. 
And you can, you can elaborate that however much more you want, but that's the crux of it right there. And everything that God reveals to you, every stronghold, every area that you're struggling, every area in your life that you'd like to see changed, pray like that. If you'll pray like that, you'll begin to get healed. You may have to pray it over and over again because every time you mess up, you give place to the devil again. And so if you really struggle with unforgiveness, the first time you start letting unforgiveness work, you're going to fall back into it again. You just need to come back to that same thing. No, not going there. So as we worship this morning, I want to encourage you. Just let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord show you areas in your life where maybe you've been allowing the enemy to gain strength and increase his muscle and endurance in your life instead of the Lord. But you want to let the Lord do what he wants so that you become stronger spiritually. If that's the way it is, begin to think about that. Let the Lord reveal stuff to you, and then in a minute we'll pray again, and God will set you free. Let's worship.
All right, so whatever the Lord's revealed to you, you got all this stuff in your life. You have authority in your life, keys to your life, and the enemy may have those keys. And you don't have control in that area, but you want to get it back. So we're going to pray, and we're going to take those keys back from the enemy. And we're going to take possession of that part of our lives again, and we're going to, and we are going to be victorious in that part again. So Lord, this area in my life that I have, I have allowed the enemy to control, I repent from that, Lord. I confess that I've sinned. I confess that is, that is against your wishes in my life, Lord, and I want to be free. I've listened to the lies of the enemy long enough, and I want to listen to your word now, what you say about me, not what the devil says about me. So, Lord, I confess and repent of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of anger, of selfishness, of pride, this addiction, bitterness in my heart, Lord. I receive your healing. Forgive me and cleanse me. Wash me in your blood, Lord. And by that same power that raised you from the dead, Lord Jesus, raise me up to newness of life. I receive that now. I am alive. I am healed. I am whole. That area in me is healed. And so, Lord, because you have healed me, I break agreement with that. I reject and renounce the lies of the enemy. And I reach out and I take back those keys of authority in my life for that area. And I reinstate you as Lord. And Satan, you're a liar and the father of all lies, and I cast you out. And I say you have to go in Jesus' name. Now I am free. I am healed. And you are back on the throne in that area of my life, Lord. And I will be free. And I will follow you. And I will walk with you in the Spirit. And I will not walk in the flesh anymore. Lord, I thank you that you've heard my prayer. And I pray that every time the enemy tries to come back in this area, that I will have that discernment to know how to respond. I want to walk with you. And I want to live in the Spirit, not in my flesh. In Jesus' name. Now let's celebrate that as we worship.
Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your healing and deliverance this morning, Lord. Thank you that you have set us free of the areas that we prayed about this morning. And Lord, help us to train ourselves to exercise our senses, Lord, in the spiritual man so that we would be strong in you, in our inward man. That we'd be able to see the deceitfulness of sin, and we'd be able to see the lies of the enemy, and we'd be able to respond to you, Lord. And when the enemy comes, you, Lord God, will raise up a standard. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard so that we're not overcome with evil, but we overcome evil with good, Lord. You've given us victory. Help us, Lord, to see how to walk that out in everyday life. Help us to strengthen our inner man, to build up the endurance that we need to to be able to walk through challenges and difficulties and, and circumstances that are, that are hard. Lord, you have given us the ability to do that. Help us to exercise our spiritual man, to build up our spiritual man through daily prayer and worship and times in the Word so that we build up the strength to be able to stand and endure walk in the fullness of your blessing and power the way you intend for us to. You've given us all these wonderful promises and blessings. Help us, Lord, to embrace them. Help us to learn to walk them out. Thank you, Lord, for healing us today and changing us. I am going to be victorious by the power of your spirit, Lord. And I choose life. I choose blessing. I choose your favor. I choose to submit to you. I thank you for helping me do that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Go and be blessed. We're going to have a great week. We're going to pray Wednesday night. Pray for this nation. And God will heal us. God will change us. And God will save us. I love you and I appreciate all you do. God bless you.